As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I'm your host, Josh G. And today I'm joined by one half of the Fright Mike podcast. Please welcome Sam to the show. Hi, I'm so excited. I'm happy to have you here. But before we get into that, why don't you tell everybody what they can expect when they tune into Fright Mike? Fright Mike is, oh God, how do I describe it? it? We talk about scary movies, sometimes borderline horror movies. And a lot of times we do deep dives into the movies, but it's just like a lot of funny banter in between. We're just trying to talk about movies that we love. Sometimes movies we hate. You'll be surprised. Sometimes we have unpopular opinions. We just recorded an episode about a beloved 70s movie that I I hate and I think most of the world loves. So I'll leave that, you know, as a surprise. But it, it's a good time. It comes out of a love for the genre. And we just want to talk about things in depth and have a good time while doing it. All right. That sounds good. So we're going to get into it. We're going back to 2019. Ari Oster's Midsommar. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. I was going to ask you if you wanted to come with me. You ruined the surprise. I wanted it to be romantic. Yes. So when did you first see this? I saw it in the theater. I saw it in 2019. So fun fact, I used to work at a movie theater. I started slinging popcorn back when I was like 16 and worked my way up to eventually being a manager at the movie theater. I was managing during 2019 because at the same time I was going to cosmetology school. So currently when I'm not recording the podcast, I'm a waxer. And uh, so um, I worked at the theater for 2019 and it came out, I remember in the summer, I think it was June or July. I think it was for July 4th weekend. It came yes, out. It was. And it was, um, there was one night I was working late. Uh, I was getting off around like midnight and we had a late show. And so I called my fiance and I was like, I really, I really want to see this movie. We need to go see it. So we saw like the latest, you know, latest hell show and I remember taking the movie in it in its entirety and thinking like this is fantastic, but also I'm so confused. And that's how I felt when I watched Ari Aster's first movie, Hereditary. And so I went home and I I mean I was up all night doing research, like, tell me about Midsummer. What is this about? You know, whatever. And ever since then, it's been like this crazy obsession where any shift I worked, I would pop into into the theater and just watch random bits and pieces. And it got to the point where if I saw the thing say like 109 minutes left in the movie, I'd be like, oh, that's when this is happening. Or like 72 minutes left. Oh, that's this scene. I, I got to get in there. And it, that's, yeah. So I saw it in the theater. I saw it uh, twice in the theater. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So I did have a similar experience. I saw, I'm pretty sure it opened July 3rd, the day before the 4th, that Wednesday. I went to see it that night at 11 o'clock at night. So I went to the last showing. And, and my memory, though, is that this this couple comes in and they're they're eh, they're probably in their 40s, maybe pushing 50. But I'm look I'm looking. Sometimes you can just tell people I'm like, did they just randomly pick this movie? Because this is not one you want to stumble into. And I could just see it the way they acted. And they sat and watched the whole thing. But I sat there and watched it when they got up. The wife turned and looked at the man and she said, yeah, I'm not allowed to pick movies anymore because you could. T- it wasn't for them. <laughs> it wasn't for them. And if you don't like I could never just walk into a movie without having any idea what I'm going into. But I know there are people who do that. <laughs> that's not one you want to stumble into. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it astounds me just from like having worked in a movie theater for so long, the amount of people that would come in and just like look at the new releases and be like, what's this about? Give me a brief synopsis on this. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I'll just go see it. I need to like, I need to be fully invested in a movie to pay $10 plus a ticket to go see something. So what a movie for them to just like walk in on. (laughs) Exactly. My guess they got there. It was almost 11. It was probably the last movie showing. And they were like, yeah, let's go try that. No, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Because that woman's reaction. I was like, yep. I thought I was right about that. But yeah, I immediately came out of this thing loving it. So absolutely. All right. So. For anyone that hasn't seen Midsommar, why don't you tell everyone what this is about? Okay, so essentially, I like to describe it as a fairy tale breakup story. So essentially, we're following a group of people on some sort of transformative journey into a nightmare, essentially. I feel like it's, it's shot primarily during the day, so we follow our main character, Danny. She's in a horrible relationship, which... I mean, even though I'm engaged now, I have been in such a toxic relationship that I really felt what she was going through. And it's essentially watching her relationship and its demise into almost discovering who she is. So she goes to this like fairy tale place almost. And there's this underlying darkness there when she comes out on the other side. I don't want to like spoil anything right away. I don't do that no yeah yeah just the basic you're good yeah yeah so it it, i i call it like a like a fairy tale breakup story that's fair yeah they end up on a trip to sweden i think you can say that part at least you know know. exactly yeah so they go to sweden um it's this almost like a it's like a village in the middle of nowhere and it's a horga and it's this group of people and they're celebrating their midsummer ritual or midsummer, I think Ari Aster likes to say. So however you like to say it, um, it takes place every 90 years. It is nine days long. And they have this whole, like, there are several rituals that they go through. So this group of outsiders is being brought by one of the members of the Horga, whose name is Pele. And I know, so Danny's boyfriend, Christian, it's his friends, Mark and Josh as well. They're all going. And since they're in college, you know, I think it's Josh who's the one, he's very like studious and everything is so like academic and cold to him that he's very interested. He wants to do his thesis on, you know, European like midsummer traditions and all this stuff. So kind of this whole retreat for them 
serves a different purpose for every single one of these members. And we kind of see that play out throughout the movie. Ultimately, it's the, till the end. Right. And, and something I didn't actually even think about until you said it was, I mean, I knew the 90 years. I hadn't even put together the nine days long, which is a multiple. You know, the 90 is a multiple of nine. And then Samar is a nine-letter title. I didn't even put that yet until you said that. So yep. I'm, I'm going to give a spoiler warning right now because I want to ask you something. So if you have not seen this and don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead a few minutes. Because So spoiler warning beginning now. Okay. What part of this festival is the 90 years? What, what are you, what are, because obviously the May Queen stuff happens every year. Yeah. So what part of this is the 90 year part? What do you mean? Like they say, this is a special one that happens every 90 years. What part of this, which one, what part of this festival is special that makes it the, the 90 year celebration? I can't figure that out. Like they, that, it seems like they have this festival every year where they do, they crown a new May Queen. Obviously, the older folks, that's happening whenever they turn 72. Or 73, right? I don't, I, that's what is confusing to me, too, because they say, like, 0 to 18. Right. 18 to 30. Wait, is that right? Yeah, 18, 36, 36, 54, because it's multiples of 18, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So I don't know if when they hit 72 or after they're 72. Right. Like, do they complete that 72nd year and then on their 73rd birthday, they, like, <laughs> you know, end it? But what? I, but what part of this makes the 90 part special? That's what I can't figure out. Maybe it's how many sacrifices do they have? Because is it like a representation? Because I think, don't they sacrifice like nine or 10 people? So maybe I, it's like the 90 comes from like 10 years per sacrifice, like 10 years of bliss per each sacrifice. Maybe, but they say in the movie, they say this, they say, this particular celebration takes place every 90 years, which means none of these people there have celebrated one of these particular instances because nobody lives to be 90. That's honestly, that's true. Yeah. Like at first I thought it was the big sacrifices that maybe only happen every 90 years, but I don't know if that's true because Pele says his parents burned in a fire, which makes you kind of think they were part of one of these sacrifices but that's it could true. be something different. I see now that's some of the stuff that like, and I don't know. I know we talked briefly before we started about the director's cut, because even though I own it, I haven't seen it because I don't have a 4k player. <laughs> My fiance bought the 4k version. So I don't know if that's something they maybe touched on, but I know in one of the scenes in the movie, there's that ancestral tree that they pour the ashes on of the people that are 72 or 73, whatever, maybe his parents turned 73 and their ashes were sprinkled on the street. Like, I don't know if it's like a certain set of things that has to happen or if maybe just like the, the Etta Stupa part happens every year, but maybe like the burning in the, in like that triangular hut happens every 90 years i think some of that stuff gets a little lost right and i know certain things get explained in the director's cut but i'm not really sure okay yeah they don't really no they don't really bring that up they yeah so the director's cut like you said you've seen some of the scenes yeah so if you notice in the theatrical cut you see connie being wheeled down and you can see like shrubs on her and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, 
the hell happened to her? Because you don't know. In the director's cut, they show a ritual that they're going through. And you're like, oh, so that's what happened to her. But a lot of it is just like, okay, so I did a previous podcast and we reviewed the director's cut. And my co-host at the time said he called it the you thought Christian was a dick before cut. (laughs) That's, That's a lot of what the director's cut is. Between him and Danny, and also between him doing taking trying to take over Josh's stuff. So it's a lot of more Christian. And I think it's interesting because I know in the theatrical version, there's only three scenes that take place at night. And even like the triangle, you know, their their like sacrificial hut is a triangle. A triangle has three sides, three night scenes. Three is like the square root of nine. So again, is it like more symbolism? But I think in the director's cut, that late scene that you're talking about, and like there, there's like an argument after that takes place at night too. So that would push it beyond that three. That, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But the triangle still, I was like, oh my God, three sides. That's the square <laughs> root of nine. I, there, there's so many, you know, things in this movie. <laughs> but. <laughs> And I think half of it is like me looking way into it and other things that's like Ari Aster putting it there and just letting you find out. But yeah, I don't know. There was even an interview that he did. I think it was an interview because someone asked like the, like the sacrifice, you know, with the triangle and the burning of that building, like, was that the end of the midsummer ritual? Because a lot of the movie takes place during the day. It's hard to differentiate between one, one day starts and stops. right. And he said, actually, no, that that was, there was still days left in the midsummer nine day festival. Yeah, I've heard that. And I'm going, what are they doing the rest of these days? Like that, all the big stuff's done. <laughs> like, right. like what, what's left? <laughs> and so, yeah, like when I heard that, I was like, so like, what, what's the grand finale then? What's, yeah, left? Yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like, is everything just relaxation from here on out? Like, I'd hope so. Cause my goodness. Right. Is it just getting like effed up on that lemonade that they had before the maple scene or what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I find it crazy when I hear people say they didn't notice the color of his lemonade. Like, like yeah. that was so big to me. Like when I was like, oh, dear God, his lemonade's a different color. <laughs> yeah. Especially because they show that tapestry and then like the lemonade is so clearly in the shot and it is clearly a different color. Right. Like, how did you not notice that? Like, I've heard people, because I will always listen to a podcast when someone's talking about this movie. So, but I've heard people say, I didn't notice that the first time. I'm like, really? Wow. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So let's get back on track. And well, you've talked a lot, but do you have anything else you want to say about why this is one of your favorites? Why you rate this so highly? Why you keep coming back to it? You know what? I think it's, even though it is a heavy movie and the contents of it are dark, I do view it as like a fairy tale movie. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've put this on to do chores, to fall asleep, just as background noise. The music is very comforting. And I also think maybe it resonated with me a little on a, more on a deeper level because I did go through a toxic relationship. So just watching Danny go through that, when I was watching it I w- at the time, I had already come on the other side of that relationship. And I was like, girl, get out of there. Like, what are you doing? It's so obvious, but you just feel, you feel bad. And it's almost like a powerful movie for her in the end, you know? So I don't, 
maybe that's something that resonated with me, but I just think it is beautifully shot. The audio visual cues in this movie are like unparalleled. The symbolism, I mean, everything is so meticulously done. It's hard to find fault in something like that, at least for me. Okay. All right. So now let's get into something that could be a little difficult. See how you decide to go with it. And that is what if Ari Ash decided to give this movie a sequel? What would you like to see happen? You know, something we maybe already touched on. I would like to see the rest of the the nine days played out. That that makes sense. Yeah. Like if, if that ritualistic burning isn't the end and Danny is now welcomed into that family, A, what does that look like for her having lost her boyfriend, her family, uh, essentially everything being adopted into this new family? And also what's the end of that festival look like? If that horrific burning of, of these people wasn't the end, I'd like to see the ending. That's, I'd like that, to- that's fair. <laughs> Although it could just be rest <laughs> and relaxation and they're just celebrating the rest of the time. They got rid of the heavy stuff early on. Yeah, right. Maybe it's not interesting at all, <laughs> but that would be interesting to brush up on. Yeah, it'd be something to consider for sure. Or like a, you know, like a midsummer, uh, the in-between years, you know, like what is <laughs> like, what is the next May Queen look like? Or I don't know, something. What if it's not like the 90 year mark? pick like a random like year nine so we're still keeping with like the nine yeah yeah <laughs> what does year nine look like into the 90 years i don't know but that yeah. yeah that could work that could yeah just see a different aspect of the same festival yeah that would work all right so this this next question is a little tricky because this movie's not that old because i normally ask who would you recast in a remake but i guess is there anybody you didn't like in this and would have liked to see recast maybe? Because to recast it three years later is a little ridiculous, but. Right, right. You know, the only person I think I would maybe recast, and I feel so bad. Like I, I knew his name before I started recording this and now I don't. But the guy that plays Josh, he's the real studious one, right? Right. Um, I know him as cheaty from the good place who's like a really easy to love character so to see him in this my gut instinct because he's not like a really well-known character or you know like actor as of yet that's what I know him as so my gut instinct is to be like oh he's a good guy I like this guy and to cast him as such a very cold you know cold role he's just all about the academics he doesn't care about Danny. He doesn't speak to her or acknowledge her unless she comes to him. It was uh, interesting. So I'd rather almost just cast him as maybe like a, a lesser known actor or maybe like someone who hasn't had like a big break yet. That way you can be thrown into this group of friends. Like they, they are not her friends. They do not like her. <laughs> and it was just like my preconceived notion. I'm like, oh, that guy, he's so fun on the good place. You know, like, obviously he's like a likable guy. Whereas like Will Poulter, who played Mark, he's a little different because he was in We're the Millers and that was lighthearted. But then he was also in Bandersnatch. He's been in like a lot, you know, or um, Black Mirror Bandersnatch. So he's been in things and has like a wide range. I really only know that act, the guy that plays Josh. I feel so bad. I'm blanking on his name, um, but I only know him from The Good Place. Well, I've heard 
you and other podcasts talk about that. And I'm like, I've never seen The Good Place, so I did not have that going in. So I was not familiar with him at all. Okay, so that's good for you then. Yeah, yeah, it it worked for me. In fact, the only person I knew was Will Poulter because I didn't know Florence Pugh. Oh, really? No, I had not. I know now I know I haven't even seen Fighting for for My Family or with my family. Fighting with my family. Yeah, I know it's about the wrestler page. I know the story, but I don't, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Little Women. And for the first time ever, I'm interested in watching Little Women because she's in it <laughs> because I'm like, oh, Florence Pugh could be in anything. Right? And it's crazy that she, she was so young when she did this movie. I think she was only like 22 or 23 when she did it. Yeah, I, very young. Very young. Young. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, trying to think back to when I was 22, 23, and I was just getting wasted at bars. <laughs> Here she is just giving the performance of a lifetime. Yeah, but. yeah. I didn't know Jack Rayner. In fact, only since then, I've only still seen Sing Street, which okay, took me, yeah. yeah, took me about half the movie. I was like, man, this guy looks familiar. And it <laughs> finally clicked about halfway through. I was like, it's Christian. That's who that is. Yep. He looks like he looks like another actor too, because I remember watching this movie and I was like, I've seen this guy before. And then I looked at his IMDb and I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this guy before, but he looks so familiar. <laughs> uh you're right. He does kind of have a look. I, I can give you that. All right. So this is what we're gonna do. I want you to give a final pitch on why someone should take a chance and watch this. Oh God. Well, <laughs> I think it. I feel like in a way it supersedes like a genre. I know there are parts of it that are definitely horrific, but it is just such a rare movie to sit in the horror genre that takes place entirely during the day. And I believe the theatrical version, at least there's, even though there's, you know, gore, there are graphic deaths a lot of them do, or some of them do take place off screen. It feels more like a fairy tale, even down to the music and the atmosphere of everything. So I don't, if you are down for a brightly lit, colorful, musical interpretation of a grim fairy tale, I would watch Midsummer. There you Girl, go. Different, there you go. And if you're familiar with Ari Aster, I'll tell you, there's two things he loves I've noticed from his two movies, and that is elderly naked people and head trauma. Those are his two (laughs) go-tos so far. (laughs) Women just like hysterically wailing at some trauma. Yep, yep, that is true. But the elderly naked people, that's like at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right, I think we made it through. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find you online, where they can find the podcast, all that stuff. So my personal social media is pretty boring. I'm mostly active on the uh, podcast stuff. So we are on basically everything you can think of. We are on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Um, Pretty much everything is at Fright Mike Podcast. I think Twitter is Fright Mike Pod. Uh, we also have a Patreon too. Um, I think that's right. My podcast, but like, we're essentially everywhere. We're like a virus, you know, no matter where you go, we are there. Mm, we- <laughs> I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's too soon or not. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're on everything. We, 
we just recently joined TikTok. So we're trying to figure it out and blend in amongst the Gen X or no, not Gen X. Oh my God. Like Gen Zers <laughs> or millennials trying to disguise ourselves. But uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty much everywhere. Everything is at Fright Mike Podcast. Like I said, my personal socials, I think I'm at like Sam Keo, but I'm less active on there. I don't know. I'm, I'm becoming such an old lady, but that's where you can find me. Fright Mike Podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do have a Twitter account, but I always just say follow the podcast at YNF Movie Pod because I'm rarely on my own anyway. The easiest thing to do, go to linktr.ee slash YNF Movie Pod. Find podcast platforms, social media, YouTube channel, my personal letterbox where you can see what I'm watching that's not being covered on the pod. And I'll be back next week with a new movie and a new guest. Until then, you guys take care. Talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>